and welcome to the Equine Physio and Rehab podcast. My name is Dr Gillian Table. I'm a chartered physiotherapist and I specialise in the treatment and the rehabilitation of horses. So this podcast is actually going to be about the nervous system. I have wanted to sort of have a, a think about this and a talk about this for a while and sort of sometimes it's it's quite difficult to actually articulate what I'm trying to say and um, trying to explain it in a way that I think I'm making myself understandable. So please bear with me. But I want to think about the relationship between movement of your horse and the behavior of your horse and what influences both of those. So basically, movement uh, is the pull of muscles on bones, which changes joint range of motion. And that is all coordinated by the sensory motor system. So uh, we have input from the sensory system in terms of the, uh, the sort of external pressure, uh, the touch, the feel, the things like that. You know, when we put on our cues, our, our signals to the horse, our aids, or the horse is sort of kicked or bitten or touched some, somewhere. So we have that external input through the sensory system. We also have an internal input through the sensory system, so from the mechanoreceptors that measure sort of stretch and pull and muscle tone, and then also the proprioceptors that are in the joints. So that sensory information goes into the spinal cord and it can either create movement at a spinal level, so get reflex movement, or it goes up to the higher centers in the brain, it gets uh, modified up there and then the motor output, so the actual effect of the muscle contraction then comes out through the motor element of the nervous system. Then of course we actually have the addition of the autonomic nervous system. So some of you may be more familiar with this and th you think about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is the one most commonly associated with this idea of it being stimulated if the animal or, or you know, for us, the person considers there is something that is threatening to us. So it could be an actual something that is perceived, you know, we might see a, a rhino running towards us or a horse might see a, a lion coming to chase it. Um, it could be something that we consider that is threatening to us, but actually can't really do as much harm. So, you know, a, a spider, <laughs> a plastic bag in the hedge, um, or it could be something that we think of mentally. So we know we get stressed when we think about exams. Now, Hopefully exams aren't going to kill us, but it has that same physiological response. So the sympathetic nervous system uh, is uh, activated when there is a threat to the body. And then that's where we get the response in the body. So we get the adrenaline release, this um, hyperthyroid, oh my God, HPA axis. Um, and we get the adrenaline, you know, the cortisol in our body, all those, um, you know, stress hormones that are flooding around. So we get an increased heart rate. We get um, the diversion of the blood from our gastrointestinal tract to our muscles so that we can run away. We have a high blood pressure. Um, we have sort of raised visual and auditory abilities, uh, all because we need to uh, get away from that threat that is chasing us. So that is this idea of of the flight or fight reaction. So horses very much want to flee uh, an environment that they feel threatened in. So their uh, 
idea of flight is more so whereas when we think about more the predator side of the animal kingdom we might see more fighting uh, first a horse will resort to fighting if it can't flee um, so you know kicking and biting and barging we've all seen horses that are um, feeling under threat when they're in contained environments so maybe they're traveling or you know we see animals in the wild kicking and biting even though that they are sort of a, a prey species so yeah that, that flight and flight response is from the sympathetic nervous system then the other side of this autonomic nervous system is the parasympathetic nervous system which is linked to this idea of rest and digest and when we see horses that are you know standing there with a lowered head carriage their eyes sort of relax their ears soft uh, we think that they're in this sort of rest and digest state they're in relaxation and they're calm sometimes though i feel that it is perceived that the horse is in a sort of either or state and so you know they're either one end of the spectrum or they are the other but it is a spectrum and they don't happen in isolation so you would get a gradual change from one end to the other from um, either the parasympathetic to the sympathetic or the sympathetic to the parasympathetic as you go through uh, and along that spectrum so that's one thing that i would like people to think about is that it is a balance and to some extent, you know, life is um, full of um, both ends of those spectrums, you know, the idea of sort of yin and yang, uh, dark and light, cold and <laughs> cold and hot, dry and wet. You know, there are um, there is this idea that to appreciate one, we have to have the other. Now, I'm not saying that that's uh, something that horses do, but for humans, certainly, I think the acknowledgement that actually the idea that a little bit of stress is going to create us to do something so that there is then going to be some adaptation. So in a horse or in an animal, if they are hungry, it would stimulate them to eat. If they are thirsty, um, which is, you know, can be a stressful st situation, it would stimulate them to uh, actually go and have a drink. Um, so, yeah, this idea of balance is one thing that I wanted to say. But when we think about this idea of training and rehabilitation, we've got a lot of criticism with people looking at pictures and videos of horses in training, saying that that horse is, you know, in complete dominance of the sympathetic nervous system. But when we look at human athletes, yes, they require activation of the sympathetic nervous system because we need a little bit of you know, arousal to be able to run faster or jump higher or think quicker or in an exam have those um, you know the memories of the right answers coming to our uh, to, to our head so we need some of this sympathetic nervous system arousal and actually it has some positive benefits so if you have gone out for a run and you've pushed through the fact that you're tired uh, and you don't want to be there uh, but then once you've finished you feel this feeling of euphoria and that euphoria is because of the release of hormones so we get the release of things like that you'd be familiar with so the endogenous opiates uh, the serotonin the dopamine so you feel good you get that runner's high after the exercise now I don't think this has been studied at all but there has to be some element of that with horses if you look at them in the, the sort of feral situation there are situations where 
they will be under the sympathetic arousal, but they will be playing and they will be having fun. Certain times, you know, I see my horse sort of launch himself around the paddock and he, for want of a better word, is prancing. There's nothing chasing him. He's not stressed. Um, His facial expressions look positive. He doesn't look like he's in pain, but he is definitely working harder than he would be if he was just mooching around the paddock eating. So I have a suspicion and I would really love to speak to some uh, experienced behaviourists about this, that there can be a positive side to having stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system. Now, if it's stimulated through fear, then that obviously is a concern. But if it's stimulated through self-motivated behaviour or even a learned pattern um, of responses that the horse learns to anticipate that it's going to feel good afterwards. I'm just wondering whether that's something that we can tap into uh, with our rehab and with our training. So there's this idea of um, having sort of internal and external motivation. And with humans, um, I'm sort of reading up and learning more about this uh, concept of self-determination theory, where somebody has um, the their own motivation to do something rather than being told to do it, then it has a better outcome. So I'm just wondering how we could apply this to tasks with the horse. And I wonder whether it's easier for a horse perhaps to have something that they have to step over or they have to go around or they have to go from point A to point B uh, to actually stimulate that sort of internal motivation and therefore the, the rewards from it. And if we can get our horse to play uh, nice and safely, obviously, and uh, within the confines of their rehab or, or their training level, but the idea of play and using that to stimulate range of motion or strengthening exercises, I think is an absolutely fascinating one. We also have to think that sometimes with our rehab, we are required to spend a lot of time on the long duration, low, slow activities. So the low intensity activities, such as walking, um, such as sort of introducing turns and circles in walk. And there becomes a stage with the the horse that this is well within their comfort zone. The tissues are actually um, at the capacity where they could tolerate a little bit more load. So we could put a little bit more pressure through them. So if we increase the intensity and we make the movement effortful, uh, that will require more muscular activity, it's going to require the the stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system to sort of upregulate the activity. And therefore, you know, perhaps we get that outcome of those uh, nice hormones to give us that post-exercise high that humans get. So uh, I'm going to be spending my winter studying things like the self-determination theory. Uh, I want to learn more about this idea of flow state in people uh, and whether it's something that we could actually translate to horses. And also I will be um, sharing a podcast soon about this idea of rewarding rehabilitation and um, my sort of updating my method of doing things and using more reward-based 
training methods uh, within both my groundwork and ridden work to see whether actually this is something that I think uh, should be more widespread and how I can teach it um, and embed it into the work that I do with the horses that I rehab and of course my teaching. So uh, that's setting me up for a busy winter. But if you've got any thoughts about, you know, your horse is getting this post-exercise high, enjoying things for the sake of doing things rather because rather than because they're doing them because, you know, we are telling them to do them. And in some cases we see horses that are forced to do things. Uh, I think it would be interesting to uh, build conversation around this. So please do get in touch. You can contact me on Facebook. I am Gillian Table, Equine Rehab and Physio. And on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Gillian Table Physio. And so, yeah, please, um, let's, let's start a conversation about it. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, then uh, please take a screenshot of it and share it onto your social media stories so that I can reach more people and we can have a bigger conversation about this. But for now, I'm just going to say goodbye and thank you very much for listening.